Hello and welcome back to the Cold Email Community Podcast, where we're interviewing industry experts on their best cold email strategies and bringing them straight to you. I'm Richard Francis, co-founder at Coldlytics, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today, we have the CEO of Megaphone Marketing, Arjun Shukla, and he's going to break down exactly what goes into creating a campaign strategy that converts. But before we get started, we have a special offer from our our sponsor today, Warmy.io. Warmy.io is an email warm-up platform ensuring the highest deliverability possible for all of your cold email campaigns. Warmy is unique and different from other email warm-up platforms because of its intelligent approach to email warm-up. Warmy automatically archives messages after 20 minutes, unlike other platforms that force you to do this manually. Not only this, but Warmy tells you your inbox's temperature, a metric that estimates exactly how many emails you should be safe to send each day. Not No other platform we've seen to date offers this technology. Additionally, Warmy provides a report on how your emails are being handled across all the major email providers, including Gmail and Outlook. So take advantage of their lifetime deal and get five inboxes warmed up for life for just $89. Click the link in the podcast description to grab your lifetime deal today, as this deal is not going to last long. Now, on with the show. Awesome. Arjun, excited to have you here today and excited to chat with you about the strategies that you use to build campaigns. And I'm sure they're different depending on each situation. But uh, for context, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, sure. So um, thanks so much for having me on your podcast, Matt. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Uh, my name's Arjun. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Megaphone Marketing USA. Um, I would call ourselves uh, a sister company of Megaphone Marketing Australia. We, as Megaphone Global, go to market with a, a range of, uh, I would say, e-commerce strategic options for brands. We work with about 300 to 400 brands globally. Um, and obviously that number changes over the months. But, you know, we'd like to think that um, we've nailed in some respects B2B lead generation. Um, you know, are we the... 100% experts at it? Probably not, but I don't think anyone is. I don't think that's the first thing to realize about this uh, game. It's, it's all about testing and learning. And um, for me, you know, there's a, there's a number of different things that can work for our business. Um, I'd probably start with saying, you know, the majority of our wins have come from rigorous testing. You know, it's not so much about having a, a clear strategy and then all agreeing it with your stakeholders and then pushing forward. I actually think that's the wrong way to do lead generation. I actually think the right way to do it is to not have a clear strategy and to realize that you're going to have to play with a number of different wrinkles in your campaigns. And uh, the amount of time you spend day to day on those campaigns is going to be the difference making, this difference maker between a campaign that converts and gets you leads versus one that that doesn't. So yeah, excited to talk about this space. Yeah, cool. Well, that's, that's a great intro. So I think there's, I'm hearing two things that one, there's, there's this idea of a whole ton of planning and, and politics going into something, getting a big strategy approved and everybody's on the same page and then we launch it. And as anybody in this space knows that what you start with is not what you end up with. Um, so really you can spend so much time and, you know, I'm working with somebody right now who's just so caught into the preparation stage and it's been months of preparation and, and getting each little individual piece perfect. I won't ramble about it, but at the end of the day, the, the lost months of opportunities in my eyes um, that, you know, I'd rather have launched a half perfect campaign and just started and just optimized. So um, maybe 
let's start from the beginning. When you're thinking about making a campaign, whether you've done this before or not, where do you start? Where do you look at this? Let's say I came to you as a client, as Coldletics. I said, Arjun, I want you to run a campaign for me. Um, where does your brain go? How do you start to say, okay, this is the right action to take? What's the first logical step? Yeah, yeah. So I think the first logical step is to be honest, if you're a client or uh, it's accepting that you're going to have to try something new and something that you're not necessarily comfortable with. Cold email remains probably the most underutilized channel in the world when it comes to building your business online. Um, and it's really something where people will send, you know, 30 or 40 emails, not get a response and go, ah, that channel's not going to work for me. You know, having sent, you know, 5,000, 10,000, I don't even know what the number is now of actual emails. I just know that it is a, an equation of um, changing your mindset, which is, um, you know, you are actually reaching out to real people and they are reading it on their Gmail. So you need to change the mentality from, hey, I'm marketing to you to, hey, I'm just emailing someone with a genuine sense of intrigue. So I think the philosophy is super important and something we embed in all of our cold emailing is that we never, ever, ever pitch. Um, we never even indicate what kind of business we are. What we try and lead with is genuine interest and a clear attachment to that brand. So, you know, I think the first thing that people should do is change their mindsets and really think about what's that buyer persona that I'm going to go after and why are they on emails? What are they looking for on their emails? A typical e-commerce buyer from us is on their emails, looking through logistics, Shopify emails and such. So your email is just coming in as an annoying email. You know, they're getting hundreds and hundreds of these agencies contacting them, SEO, whatever. And really what you need to do is separate out from the equation and say, hey, we're a human company. We are a pack of humans that are just reaching out to you as a fellow human. Um, and we're interested. We're intrigued. We just want to know a little bit more about you. And, you know, brands that we reach out to through cold outreach, we, we make sure that list is curated. Um, we make sure that every client... I just want to cut in and go back to something you said before we move too far ahead. You talked sure. about how you define this, this ICP, this buyer persona, and then, then you kind of taking the actions from there. Before we get into what maybe what some of those actions are, how do you define for another person? Or if I were to say, hey, how do I define my buyer persona? What's the you know, most reasonable way to go about it without making that its own project? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the buyer persona really comes down to, um, you know, understanding your target market, but more so where your target market is currently buying, right? So if, if in our world, when we sell marketing services, for example, we know that people are currently buying their agencies through friends of friends, or they're reading about a case study online, and we know that's what the buying journey is. It's having a clear understanding of, you know, what's that journey the customer is going on, um, specific to your industry. So say I was working with Coldlytics, I'd say, okay, well, as an email sender, you know, what are the options available to me? Am I going on Fiverr? Am I going on Upwork to find a lead generation list builder? Am I going to lead giant or list giant or one of these sort of big list brokers to find right. leads? Um, am I doing the outreach myself? What's the cost of that? So I think it's about getting in the head of what are they doing today and what's that problem that they're likely going to be having. 
So in my case with you, Matt, it was very much uh, every time I went out and, uh, you know, was looking for new lists to build up, I'd have to find a freelancer and that would cost, you know, a certain amount of time and money, right? At the end of the day, if you know that people are going on Fiverr and like that's, that's what's happening, then you need to sort of step back a bit and say, hey, do I need to make sure all of my cadences um, are aligned to that? Do I need to say, hey, in my subject header, sick of Fiverr, sick of searching on Fiverr? You know, that's the kind of thinking I, I think about when it comes to um, initial, you know, that ICP, that ideal customer profile. The other thing I look at is really psychographics as well. And I think this is super easy if you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator is you can just look up lists of people that are in your industry or in the target industry. And you need to look out for buying signals from them. So whether that can be they're raising around, whether that's, you know, a new campaign idea that's just hit the market, whether that's a new product launch, you need to understand, hey, what, what is that business doing? And could it at some point require an extra pair of hands? And that's the real only question to ask yourself. You don't come in as a seller saying, hey, I'm going to sell you X, Y, Z. You come in saying, do you need a hand? You know, because, and I, I guarantee you every business does. Um, so for me, it's really understanding what is that buying signal? And is that position, is that like person in a position to make a decision right now? Um, right. So I, I kind of think about it two ways. And there's a number of different ways that we can sort of comb lists um, to sort of find that ideal customer profile. But some of the, my favorite ways are, is there someone going to an event in your area or an industry specific event, whether it's like Shopify Unite or something smaller that you can latch onto? Is there someone going to an expo or something all these expos have massive exhibitor lists. You can comb that, you know, in half a second. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about actually thinking through where is your buyer going to make their decision and what is the timing of their decision and going through that. We do actually have a template for how we sort of describe ideal customer personas for ourselves. But to be honest, you can Google it. There's, there's not any one template that will unveil the truth there. Um, but the real truth will be is when you actually think about your customer and put your put yourselves in their shoes. I love that. Yeah, that's good. And I like that, especially for young businesses, for startups who don't have uh, a clear picture maybe of who their target audience is. That's a really good way to start to get into uh, some deeper insights and say, okay, what are these people doing in this psycho in the psychographic? Um, you know, what are they attending? Who is there? what's that ecosystem look like and really have an understanding of the space. One of the things I like to do, um, doesn't mean it's right for other people, but it's worked for me, is to look back at who are my past customers and then I segment it two ways. Who churned, who left, and then who stayed? And are there any anomalies of people who are the absolute, you know, uh, spent 10 times more with you than somebody else, committed their investment 10 times more than somebody else? Those people in and of themselves deserve a segment from me that I want to reach out to people similar to those one or two people that committed way more than anybody else in my customer base. Of course, if I can build my book of clients out of that type of person, that's way better. And then I'm actually going to kind of create a negative signal to say, hey, um, anybody that fits this other persona, look, all of these people have a trend. They all left and they're all, you know, younger companies or they're all well-established companies. And maybe I need to question why they left. Um, but that's another way that I like to look at segmenting and kind of getting uh, an idea of, of who to target really quickly. It's just who's buying what we do already and who's benefiting from it. There's probably a pretty clear picture if you're not sure 
who your buyer persona is just by looking at your own CRM. And if you don't have one, you know, take a step back and establish that before you even launch a campaign. Um, yeah. Have you done anything similar to that? Yeah, you know, I often think about, to your point, um, we look, we always look at um, our bank of case studies and, you know, every time we speak to a client, we, or prospect, I should say, we let them know, hey, you're either an ideal fit for us or not, you know? And, um, we are very selective in who, you know, who we choose to introduce to our frameworks because we, we know it won't work for everyone. Um, the, re the reality is that that person has to have some curiosity behind it. Um, you know, whether it's someone's liked a Facebook post and you can extract everyone who liked a Facebook or a LinkedIn post or someone who's posted recently on LinkedIn, it's about tying it back to something that person can care about um, and applying some sense of, hey, I'm, I'm just here because we're both trying to solve the same problem. And here's a couple of ways I've solved the problem. I'd be curious to hear your ways. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's also good to remember that we're not targeting customers. We're just targeting people. And some of them could be, you know, clients. Some of them could be business partners. Some of them are, are just friends in the future. You know, I've had lead conversations with the guy was like, I'm not interested in your pitch, but we should grab a beer. Great, you know, this could be a client three or four months down the road or three or four years down the road. So I do think of um, I do think of lead generation as more of a longer funnel exercise than other people do. Um, it, it is something to say, you're talking to, a, this person's not seeing a Facebook ad and forgetting about it. An email is a very personal item. They're likely probably offended that, they, that you know their email. That's the first thing. You know, they, they know that you're a spammer, you know, but you have an uphill, uphill to climb and, um, you know, you can do that. The thing I would say is that uh, when it comes to building your ideal customer persona, don't spend too long on it. Just experiment and try different things. As I've said before, you know, if, if you think that um, a Facebook event, a LinkedIn event, um, someone, uh, in, you know, 10 Instagram influencers sort of, uh, posts and whoever commented on that are all your ideal customer persona, but you can't pick. Test them all. You know, for a young business, the only thing that is important is speed of testing. Talk to me about testing. I want to hear about what you're doing to test different audiences. How much is enough and how much is too little? Yeah. So I think the first thing that's really important is um, having a hypothesis based um, testing framework. So you know, what we'll have is five or six variations going across channels. Um, and we do outreach, not just an email, we do it on Instagram and Slack and a bunch of other places. Um, first, you've got to understand, you know, wh where, where are you getting that person and what part of the journey are they on? If it's an Instagram outreach, that's just like us responding to a post going, oh my God, I love that story. That's a much more casual conversation than you know, what you're doing on say LinkedIn or email, which is maybe a little bit more formal. Um, so the first thing we want to test is the channel and what sort of tone of voice that we should be taking. We'll either take a casual tone of voice, an informative tone of voice. We'll take a bit of a tone of voice that's a little bit more pain point led, trying to like, you know, find if there's a few uh, sand grains in the clamshell, so to speak. Um, and, you know, basically through this approach, what we're trying to uncover is, is there one of these um, approaches that works really well for a channel, right? Is casual going to be working the best? Yeah. So, you know, the tone of voice is the first thing we establish because that ultimately dictates your connection between the target market 
and the kind of messaging they receive. Then you've got to go down into a much deeper detail. Okay, so your a typical sequence has anywhere between three to five emails. You need to understand what is the drop-off rates at each point? What are the unsubscribe rates? What is the uh, amount of replies at each stage? And why is it happening a certain way? Do people need to be warmed up um, for that stage three response? Or are we waiting for a stage one response? You need to be really specific about what your call to action is and at what part of the sequence. Because if you have too many, people just realize you're just another salesperson. Um, when you get down into it then, um, it's, I always try and think about it with a marketing framework, right? Um, attention, interest, desire, and action, right? The action is obviously the meeting schedule. That comes last. Um, the attention has to come from your subject header and genuinely your preview line. So you've got to test a number of different preview lines and subject headers. Um, you know, the one that will never work for me is I'm pitching something, right? So you've got to lead with something that says, hey, I saw you at Expo West hey, um, I saw your LinkedIn post, right? It doesn't need to be super specific, but it really needs to be contextual and gives needs to remind the other person that, hey, I didn't just find you on some database. I actually looked you up. So all of our outreach is personalized on that basis. It's human-based so that we that person can actually um, click the dots and go, okay, cool. Hannah is talking to me because Kelsey connected with me on that day, which means that, you know, there's actually whole bunch of people involved in this journey right. yeah yeah so you look at open rates first and then what you do is um understand really from the body of your message what the reply rates are your body of your message really dictates what your reply rate is if you've um there's a number of ways to do it what we think is that uh first of all you've got to make your um sentences very pithy you've got to have zero filler words no, just dropping a note, just kill it. Everyone knows about these terms that are just like, oh God, the sales pitch is coming now. Um, you know, everyone can read it and that, ter that terminology is coming. Just get to the point, right? Um, I would say, you know, what I really look for in a good body is one, a good personalization. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be heartfelt. Hey, Matt, came across Coldlytics on my searches on LinkedIn, can see that you've helped so many e-commerce sellers. Um, would really love to join your team one day, right? It's something that you can connect with and usually something that the other person has directly done. If I just say, hey, Matt, I love your eyes. You didn't control that. You were born with that, right? But if you, right. if I say, hey, Matt, nice shirt, you bought that shirt, you know, that's something that you're going to like, right? So we try and yeah, find yeah. something that you, you can really tie back to um, something that they're likely to have experienced or they're likely to have done themselves. And that's how you generate the interest. So that's the second part. Very cool. The desire. Yeah, yeah. Um, the desire, the third part of the equation before the action comes when you show off just a little bit of what you've got to display. So in our case, you know, we've worked with 300 plus brands globally. Um, across our brands, we do average 10 plus return on ad spend. Across our brands, we do have a super high retention rate. So we just say, hey, look, I'm just... I'm just dropping you a note. I work with a bunch of really cool partners and I'd love to share their experiences with you. Um, if you're open to it, drop me a note back and we'll jump on a call. The key thing is we are going value first in our body. We are, we are trying to show value to them, not the other way around. And we're very clear that email marketing is almost a form of content marketing. Our first, second, third examples or, or flows in the sequence are always like case studies 
customer success stories, tactics and techniques. You've got to be really specific with this stuff because um, by the time that person jumps on the call, they want to have seen you as an expert. So I really think the interest comes from having actual substance in your email. If you're just saying, hey, I work for this team and they send me, you know, they do SEO services and blah, blah, blah. We've got great rates. We should jump on a call. I'm done. You know, I do not want to jump on that call. What would be the use of time for my, for my call? Um, so, you know, I think it's being really specific with your call to action after that to say, hey, I've given you so much value. Two emails later, jump on the call. You're going to get a bit more. That's what really works for us. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously I'm condensing a lot of, um, of what we've learned over multiple years of doing this into a short, short sort of spiel. But what, what I can say is that I think um, cold email outreach, the main thing is to realize that the other person, um, the person on the other end of the, of the phone or the email or whatever is an actual person. They can smell your bullshit from 10 miles away and you don't need to be leading with that. You're not going to get a response, you know? If you at least front up to it to say, hey, look, I'm a salesperson. I'm going to give you a bunch of value and eventually you'll realize that you like me. It's fine. You know, eventually people get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. You've set the frame there for sure. I think it's so critical to, of course, be tracking everything. But what are the numbers that you go by? What's an acceptable minimum open rate? What's an acceptable uh, reply rate? And what are the other factors that you're monitoring? Yeah, you know, so it, I think, first of all, every business should set their own metrics based on their own um, average deal value, average close value, uh, sorry, average deal value, time to close. Um, I do think that it takes some strategy to go through, um, go through uh, the thought process and build your sales funnel outright, right? To say, hey, for my business to be um, profitable, I need to be doing 10 sales a month which means, you know, based on a, you know, 25% close rate, I need to be getting 40 leads a month, which means I need to be sending a hell of fuck ton more than that. You know, um, you know so like, you know, recently, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I basically think about it in terms of working backwards um, from your goals. What I look at, at least for my business, is that for every hundred emails I send, um, I'm probably looking for about 40 to 60 opens. Anything more than anything more or less than that, and I know that there's there's something wrong in that equation. Maybe the targeting's off. Maybe something. You know, basically, if there's too many opens, then you're potentially getting the wrong crowd, right? Um, the right kind of entrepreneur that we're trying to target anyway is probably not going to open every single email that comes across their desk right? You might have to get them two or three times. And that's why you sort of guilt them with the multiple sequence flow. Right. Um, 40 to 60% is a good open rate, I'd say for us. I think if we um, flesh it back down to actual reply rate, um, you know, we're looking for a reply rate that's above 10%, you know, at least for our business based on our values. Um, and we're hoping that the positive reply rate is above 5%. Because there's a lot of people that are like, no, not this time. Um, not for the moment, whatever else. If we can get one to one to three leads out of our, every hundred emails sent, our business can be profitable, right? So that's that's just personally for us. Now, do I want to do better than that? Of course, right? But you've got to establish your lower bounds. Um, and you know, I I really look at it from that perspective to say, 
okay, my metrics won't, not, won't work for every other business, but it works for mine, right? So it's actually not important to go, hey, you know, Matt's agency is doing, you know, 20% open rate versus, uh, 20% reply rate versus mine, 10%. It's like, yeah, but what are they replying with? You know, are these, <laughs> I, I would say the most important thing is number of meetings scheduled. And I'd say, you know, as long as we're getting at least two to three meetings scheduled for every um, hundred emails sent, we're on a good pace. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's good. Okay. So we've got the 40 to 60% open rate that we're shooting for uh, north of 10% reply rate. And depending on the business, you know, one to three, ideally five or more appointments set per hundred would be fantastic. Um, but again, like you said, you have to work backwards through your own business model and understand at each stage, hey, this is how much we need to break even. This is how much profit we're looking to accomplish. And based on that, here's our close rate. Here's how many people we need to talk to to get the average order value to match the desired outcome. And how many people do we need to talk to? And how many of those people are going to open the email? And just work each individual stage. And the reason I'm listing them is because I think a lot of people go into cold email and the only stats that they monitor are what's in their uh, you know, sales enablement platform. You know, how many people opened it? How many people, whatever. And that's, of course, critical, but it's not the whole picture. I think so many people go into it and they don't do that first step that we just talked about where you really do need to understand, hey, where am I going? I need to set true north on my compass before I walk off into the wilderness here and just start sending emails to people. And I, I think that's so often overlooked. And shockingly, this is the first time this has come up on uh, one of these podcasts. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, I think the onus is not just on marketing folk um, to be setting the boundaries of cold emailing. It's actually um sales people can do it too um it's just a lot of them are lazy and they don't that sales people want a lead that can just come in roll in and like is ready to sign straight away that's all good but you're the sales advisor you're supposed to be a growth manager you're supposed to be guiding their business according to what you know best right and um sales is such a dirty word but we don't see it that way you know we we see our sales people as advisors to the market and um, it's, it's on salespeople to not just go, okay, well, I got three or four replies, right. Or, you know, three or four leads, but I got 15 other replies that are like, not at this time. It's like, all right, well, salesperson, what are you doing to follow them up every month from now with a new case study that you can show, you know, um, in any business, the salesperson is doing like almost nothing other than talking to clients, right? So spend some of that time, go through your operations team, go find a cool case study and send it to them. You know, go, go write yourself a few LinkedIn posts and do that and see what the re reaction is. And then maybe send them an email afterwards saying, hey, I sent you, I wrote this LinkedIn post that I think could be really valuable for you. Um, I think, you know, the strategy is really about social selling in this day and age. People are so over the bullshit of cold emails. Um, they, they want to see that the person has researched them. They want to see that the person on the other end is a real person that, and is the same person that they can expect to talk to. And finally, they want to know that that person is not going to have a really strange call and be a super census taker and just run them through a bunch of questions like their own framework, you know? The first thing that we lead with is, you know, hey, how are you going? You know, well, what are you having for lunch today? You know, these are the sorts of things that we think about because you're selling to a human, you know, at the, at the LRN. Right. So you need to actually think about it when, 
on the strategy side of the equation as well um, before you start launching campaigns. One thing I wanted to get clarity on before we wrap up is when you're testing, how much do you test? Do you test 100 emails, 1,000 emails? Is it over a week? Is it over a day? It doesn't matter. What's the right you know, containment size for each test for you? Yeah, I would say that batches of 100 to 200 are probably very good. Um, you know, we're, we don't send thousands and thousands anymore. We're not seeing great results out of bulk anymore. So we've stopped doing that. We're very hyper-personalized. Um, but I would say that, you know, 100 to 200 emails is probably enough before you can start to get a good sample size. I'd say most people give up too early after 30 or 40. The reality is that, um, you know, after 30 or 40, uh, you, you haven't even started learning yet. You know, you need to understand a little bit more about testing there. I would say that testing velocity wise as well is, um, I would also make sure that you're looking at your, you know, whatever your provider is, whether it's sales loft or lend list or whatever else on a day by day basis and understanding what those reactions are. Because at the end of the day, um, you need to be really mindful about what time people are reading those emails, right? Be, be conscious of that. Are you sending your emails at 8 a.m. and then it's just getting lost in the morning shuffle of a Monday morning? Would it be better served 1 p.m. after lunch when everyone's had a chance to process their inbox and whatever else? Um, that's the sort of minuscule details we like to test. And those are the things that move the needle. <coughs> I would say when it comes to testing, don't wait. If you don't see something's working, pause the campaign, don't let anything else send, start again and do that on a regular basis. Excellent, I love that. Thanks, Arjun, I appreciate you doing this with us. I think this is a really good intro for people looking to get clarity on how to set a strategy going into a campaign. And I think just to summarize from my perspective, the big takeaway here on this call is that it's not a perfect science and you're gonna lose time trying to make it one. And at the end of the day, the scientific actions are measuring and improving. And if you're not measuring and you're not actually taking the time to improve it, then you're only imputing your own success. So you really need to just say, hey, I'm not going to overthink this. I have data to make a hypothesis on and I'm going to take action on that data and just test things and see what works and you know, be a human about it. You mentioned the ADA structure, the AIDA. Um, breakdown for copywriting. I think that's fantastic. And if you're not familiar with the ADA model, you know, go look that up, learn it. It's really simple. And, it, you know, it's clearly changing lives because it's, it's built a whole agency here. So uh, is there anything you wanted to add, Arjun, that's like, hey, you know what, we should throw this in here for people that are just getting started with this that people overlook in the beginning? Yeah, I would say have fun with it is the main thing. You know, everyone hates their email inbox. Everyone, right? Um, it causes stress, um, it causes uh, a lack of, you know, continuity, right? You get an email, it breaks everything else you've got on for the day, right? You might have a perfect task list and it's like, oh shit, I've got this firestorm now to put out. Um, just remember that the, other, the person on the other side is looking for a joke or some sort of fun. Um, we send pictures of our dogs, we send pictures of our cats, we send pictures of us at football games, having fun, you know? These are the things that remind people that, yes, I'm a real person and I'm ready to talk to you as a person. So I would just say, have fun with it. It's, it's not that crazy. It's a really low cost channel. <laughs> just yes, send out some fun tests and see how you go. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Arjun. Appreciate it. This has been fun.